Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, Answers for Healing and Infinite Love, which shares stories of awakening to your spiritual instincts, intuition, and the essence of inner wisdom and truth, and which sets up awareness of possibilities to begin to know how to create a life of joy, personal growth, prosperity, and love. I am most delighted to welcome Catherine Jagetti, author of Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. And she has searched for and found ways to rethink old beliefs that needed change, which is so needed in order to find the opportunities available to us, all around us, to develop strength and fortitude, which are important qualities for being resilient and understanding life in its dual nature, spiritually and physically. Hello, Catherine, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Catherine, I always just simply love to ask my guests to think back to childhood or their earlier life and remember a, a person, a place, or an event that strongly influenced them and may have led them to the adult and the lifestyle uh, that they embrace now, to the adult they have become and to the lifestyle that they value. So think back for a minute and just let a thought come to you. So if I share it, you know, whenever I'm asked about who's influenced me and shaped me in the way that you've just described, Cheryl, I always think about my mother. She's just this central figure in my life. And I think for me, as a child who was nervous and not always very well, I often felt unsafe in the world. And she somehow managed to make me feel safe by making me happy at the times when I needed it most. And the incredible thing about my mom was that she was somebody who always saw possibility in absolutely everything. I don't remember a time in my life, even today, when my mother was faced with something that she didn't feel that it was possible to, to get out of, to remedy, to resolve in some way. So she's the person who's shaped me most. Excellent. And I, I know she was a yoga teacher and educator, and I know she had an awareness of energy and the chakras and uh, how we uh, are both spiritual and physical beings. So uh, she was using uh, that complete higher consciousness to guide her, and she helped you tap into this at an early age, which is really the key to success in this physical world. If you don't know you're a spiritual being having a physical life and you focus only on the physical world, you're missing a big part of yourself <laughs> and, a, and a source that really is what is creating our physical life. So you also had a father who was very interesting. You describe him as a Freemason, a d deeply religious man who brought you up in the Jewish faith. So tell mm -hmm. us something about him. And how would you describe a Freemason? So it wasn't really much that I knew about. I remember at school that people used to say to me, oh, your dad's in the lodge, or he's one of those black robe people with the ring. And I knew he went to meetings, and um, 
they had their society, they were part of secret societies and stuff like that, but I never saw it as anything negative. No, it's not. It's it's absolutely not negative. It's absolutely (laughs) a a highly, I know it to be a highly conscious being or evolved soul that follows this uh, mysticism or this understanding of the universe in all its forms, energetically, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the founding fathers of the United States or America were, many of them, Freemasons. So I have a great regard and understanding mm-hmm. of their, their abilities, their intuit, so me- in, intuitive abilities. Yeah. I mean, for, absolutely. And so for me, you know, the whole group, the, the, the organization was something I respected a great deal. I think from, my dad was um, someone who took his spirituality and his search very, very seriously and instilled in us great respect for, for spirituality. So we saw it as something that was worthy of attention, worthy of considered thought, not something to be toyed with as such but something to really be explored and engaged with, and, and I appreciate that about my dad. Yeah, and both your parents seem to have a very strong sense uh, of believing that with their imagination, uh, that it wasn't just possible to wish for things, but to focus and be consistent and to work towards goal, like not just thinking, uh, but doing in equal measure. And I think you gathered that at a pretty early age. Now, you say your mother joined the church because she wanted you to be integrated and merged with community life. Uh, but mm-hmm. you, you found that um, that may have not been uh, the best road for you. So tell us something about that. So, I mean, we, we already knew what we knew at home. So uh, metaphysics and, and spirituality and all of that mysticism was, was normalized for us as children. So we had, you know, alongside all the classical children's stories in our library at home, we had books by authors like Edgar Casey and people like that. So we were already familiar with this. I think because of our community, it was predominantly uh, white British, and we were one of only two non-white families. Um, when my mum found a group of, of black people, it felt like she could explore another aspect of herself. So that kind of sort of learning about other parts of our culture, um, we have immense respect and love for British culture, but it was nice to also meet people who are similar to us. But it, it wasn't as edifying as we had hoped. And um, because I was a very shy child, I think my mum was looking for ways to encourage me to be more outgoing and more social. Yeah. And maybe she thought, mm. but it, it, it didn't quite work out that way. And I, I was very much, she, she realised that actually I wasn't a loner, but I was a thinker and a very deep thinker. And preferred the company of my own ideas than I did the children my own age at times. Yeah, I don't think you were shy. I think you were very empathic, sensitive, gifted soul, quite advanced. And the way you just described yourself is the way I was as a child. So I know that most people with an open heart and evolved soul life often discover that religions which are meant to bring us closer to the divine wisdom of the universe or God sometimes cause more separations because of the many man-made interpretations. And Catherine, you said the ideas your mother shared with you of Neville Goddard and other 
people like uh, Norman Vincent Peale and Florence Scovel Shin and other progenitors of positive thinking and new thought were sometimes at odds with the traditional approach to religions. So uh, it's okay. Any way you find your own soul being and your own purpose or life path, whether it be in a you know structured religion or in mysticism and great thinkers and philosophy and uh, science and educators however we find our way is is the right way so uh, I found that very interesting about your childhood now Catherine a few years ago I was scheduled to interview an author on the teachings of Neville Goddard but it didn't happen and as you and I know, we were talking about this before. Everything's going to a divine unfolding of spirit and our journey to know ourselves and life in a clearer, more accurate way. So I always accept and allow all events to happen as they must. And I was delighted to, I wanted to learn more about him. So I was delighted when your show came in and the discussion was supposed to happen with you because I believe the mentors and people we find or discovered or are placed within our soul or divine human journey help us remember much about the nature of life and who we are so tell us something about his thinking and what and your book and what is the core message sure so um for, for anyone who doesn't know or isn't familiar with neville he was of english irish and scottish descent and he was born um, in, on the island of Barbados in 1905 and sometimes people get nervous when they hear about European families in the Caribbean and places like that but they were very much a part of the community very very beloved and actually created thousands of jobs they transformed lives so Neville from a young age he had a pioneering spirit it is said that he was spoken to by a prophet around the age of 8 or 9 a prophet approached him on the beach and told him you're going to do this great work you've got this ministry coming and he lived his life normally until he was a teenager, and then he left the island for New York where he was going to pursue a career as a dancer. Now, the timing of his arrival coincided with the Great Depression, so he didn't uh, thrive in theater. As Neville says, how could people come pay to see dancers when they can't even eat or support their families? Right. And he had little menial jobs here and there, but he was very open to the experience because he knew that he'd been sent to America to do something. And he later on met this Ethiopian rabbi called Abdullah. And when he met Abdullah, what they studied together was Kabbalah, was mysticism. Mm -hmm. And Abdullah also taught him how to interpret the Bible as a psychological document or a document that talks about the, the evolution of the psyche of man. And so from his study with Abdullah, he was having his own spiritual experiences. You know, Neville says even though he considers Abdullah his only teacher in the physical form, his experiences all came from above. His knowledge was revealed to him. It was birthed in him, and he describes this incredible, um, really fantastical experience of being visited by a, an a presence from the other realm, from the, other, the invisible world, mm. which is the world of reality. And he was fused with this power. And the way he spoke, no one really could rival it, but he never set himself up to be a rival. So you think about someone like Emmett Fox at the time who had audiences of several thousand and Neville had audiences of several hundred, but he was never in competition because he knew that this message was to be delivered to people who were on the, who were ready to receive it. Mm. So he wasn't pursuing sort of this uh, human accolade. In fact, he used to say to his audience, please don't deify me, don't ask for autographs, don't ask for, for pictures. I'm just a messenger of God, and 
I didn't volunteer for this, but I love what I do. And for me, in the work that I do now, I can't quite explain why I resonated with Neville so strongly, but I was recently in North Carolina, and somebody said to me, she felt that I was here to continue his work. Uh, Mitch Horowitz, who I adore, said to me, you're the greatest uh, interpreter of this of this work. And it's it's weird when you hear these kinds of things, Shell. I'm sure you've had similar experiences. But you just like you say, you just like I am. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am going to now share with you the similar experiences because I usually have great synchronicity with the guests on my show. And while you were just talking, I'm going to say to you, when I was beginning 25 years ago with this work in earnest. I mean, I was born as a sensitive, gifted uh, messenger, uh, but I had to do a lot of other things before I was ready uh, to do this work as a medium and an intuitive healer. And uh, when you just said uh, he wasn't for everyone, uh, when I was first starting, a young woman who had lost her mother quite young, and she was very sensitive, looked at me and said, Cheryl, you're not for everyone. And I thought, well, how could I not be for everyone? I have this great message of who we are, eternal Mm. souls, and we survive physical death and if I could get it and receive how could I not in my enthusiasm and truthfulness share it so we have that in common and you mentioned about Barbados when Mm -hmm. I when I went to my first spiritual retreat uh, with mentors who became my teachers uh, mediums because I was studying Mediums, and I wanted to understand what survived physical death because I had had some mystical experiences and I was not trained as a child. I didn't grow up in a family like yours. I was mm-hmm. trained to be very of the physical world and practical. So I, I, I was in Barbados uh, on my first spiritual uh, training week in Barbados and then I came back and then I... Uh, was told to study Reiki energy healing and sitting Mm -hmm. next to me my partner was a minister from Barbados (laughs) and he said and I asked him when we were all done because he worked with me and I felt his energy and I couldn't imagine that when I worked on him he could feel my energy because his was so powerful Mm, so and I was very new at all this and I said to him what am I going to do with this and he said to me well of course you're going to teach. <laughs> it's mm. like he knew the plan. And then you also mentioned Edgar Casey. Now, my journey has led me to find another such prophet, Edgar Casey, whose work uh, I continue as a hands-on healer and medium working with universal energy. And, um, you, you know, this healings of many kind, mind, body, and spirit. And uh, many people came to him with fear and anguish created by the physical world, but it was only by helping them go within to their own essence and connection to the oneness of universal energy that he helped them to be free and create better lives. And in my book, The Living Spirit, 
I expressed this thought and wrote the following. What I call the law of attraction is a universal energetic truth of creating our own reality by bringing to us the people and circumstances that our mind and actions generate. Therefore, I propose that you shall receive what you offer to others and what you wish for or ask for continually from spirit and you'll receive what you expect in response to your perception of what is important to your needs everything of both a positive or negative nature is often reflected and given back to you by a universal force that does not judge but simply delivers so be careful what you wish for is an expression that holds enormous accuracy universal force only acts on the vibration of our thoughts so we must clarify our needs and refine our thoughts before making requests or expending too much energy on an undesirable pursuit now what really inspired you to write infinite possibility so uh, throughout the years um, a habit I had was journaling I was taught that as a kid I actually copied my mom doing that and um, so while I'm reading Neville's lectures or his books or listening to his audio material I'd be making notes and what I would do is sometimes his language wasn't completely clear for me so I would listen and I would cross-reference and then I, I would arrive at something that I thought okay yeah that's what he's saying and then I had put together this kind of reference guide for myself with all of what I thought was the best bits of what he was teaching and it was something that I could just easily turn to whenever I, I needed a top-up or to remind myself of something or a technique or whatever it might be after I'd done that and I'd showed it, shown it to someone they said oh this would make a great book so I, I wasn't sort of inspired or trying to write a book the, the book evolved out of that habit of journaling and keeping track of what I was experimenting with, what was successful, what wasn't, and all of that. And it was it was wonderful that a book came out of that process. Well, you know why you didn't quite understand everything as he was saying it? Because he was speaking the language of spirit or universal source. And sometimes it can be poetic and it can be paradoxical. And it's a very beautiful language. It's the language that I deal with when I download information uh, for people who come to me for help. And uh, after a while, <laughs> you do have a great feeling for the way that they're, they're giving us this beautiful uh, awareness of a world beyond worlds. And I think that's why when you started, it was a little challenging, but you became very clear about what he was saying to you. Mm. And uh, I happen to have uh, discovered many of what he, much of what he was trying to say in his search for uh, God or universal energy or creation. And it begins with self-exploration of mm. ourselves. And, and, and I have found his message to be very, very uh, truthful. So he was discovering human imagination as God. Mm -hmm. God, our mind is God. God is within us and without us. And however we say it, it's the same truth. You did have something that happened to you. Um, and even something happened to you at age 26. And even though it did, you were able to hold on to many of the thoughts that you had garnished from Neville Goddard. So tell us about what happened. So um, I was the victim of a horrific uh, assault, 
and I don't want to <laughs> bum anyone out with the details, but it was a shock for me because by this time I had been studying Neville for quite some time, and I felt really excited about the fact that I was creating my own experience. So I couldn't quite reconcile having um, a crime happen to me or being the victim of a crime with this idea that I'm creating um, because at that time my life was very happy. I was traveling and I, I had loads of interesting jobs and wonderful experiences, etc. So what happened, though, for me was that I reached this kind of crossroads where I thought, it's either I, this stuff is not true, which at that point I, I did not feel that it wasn't true. I knew beyond any doubt that it was true. But then I thought, okay, it's either I'm going to have to give it up because it's not true, or I have to make it work for me now. I need this thing now more than ever. And so um, faced with that dilemma, I can't quite remember honestly why I chose the latter but I think for me a part of me didn't want all of my life's work to be in vain and it actually turned out to be one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because I found myself putting the techniques to the test in a way I hadn't done before I was really robust and rigorous I, I decided that I had missed something I had misconstrued something and I needed to study it again and I needed to be clearer about what Neville's teachings were and then I was really dedicated to following the techniques exactly as he prescribed them rather than sort of cutting corners or, or shortcuts or mislabeling outcomes and experiences. And that process awakened within me something that I didn't really know existed. I was only kind of vaguely aware of it, but I didn't know it in that sense. I hadn't consummated my relationship with my own imagination and my own creative power. And now I live by that. And so I'm very, very grateful to have had that negative experience because it gave birth to something so light and wonderful. You know, many people find when something challenging or bad happens to them uh, that they'll have to live with it, but they can live beyond it. Good can come out of anything if our perception allows us to see what we need to change within ourselves. And in Neville's own words... He, he said something in reference to what we're talking about here. He said, stop trying to change the world since it is only the mirror. Man's attempt to change the world by force is as fruitless as breaking a mirror in the hope of changing his face. Leave the mirror and change your face. Leave the world alone and change your conceptions of yourself. And this is very, very important. And it's what you were able to do as a result of your experience. So how can this work, his thoughts, your thoughts, and the work you and I and many of us do, make a difference in the world, in the real world? Well, the real world is beyond here. <laughs> you know, this is the, the world of um, the physical. Uh, mm. But still, we face many challenges here. And how can new thought help, for example, a family that might not have health care. You know, just let's give a, a little, you know, yeah, I mean, reality the, the there. Beauty, right, the beauty of this philosophy is that it's immensely practical. And Neville says, and I reiterate that, that we must never take these ideas at face value, but we must put them to the test. And I think sometimes we can be quite linear in our thinking or quite limited in um, our thinking when it comes to solutions to problems. So healthcare is a big issue for many people, particularly with changes in government and things like that, and if mm -hmm. you don't have a great deal of money to spare. And people become very distressed about that, but it's about the direction of your attention. We learn 
to become courageous as individuals when we understand that we don't know where a solution is going to come from. And that's the test. As Neville said, it takes boundless courage to put this philosophy to the test. But what he's saying is that let's look at something like healthcare, right? You're not mm. necessarily going to find right now, you may not be able to see a policy that you can afford that meets all the needs of every member of your family, but your attention shouldn't be on that. It should be on how would you feel if there was this policy that existed or you had the money to pay for it, whatever it might be. Your, your attention is not on how it's going to happen, but it's the end result that we focus on. And that is what it means to be the creator. When we are able to discipline ourselves to just focus on the end result, the means will work themselves out. So many people aren't aware, Cheryl, that desire is a communication from God, desire of God, meaning mm. that you have something. Something has been given to you, and you are being required to open up and to act as a conduit that gives it physical life, that allows it to present itself in physical form. So it could be that your insurance provider changes policy for you in a way it wouldn't do for anyone else. These are things that can happen. Infinite things can show up. We don't necessarily know the form the solution is going to take, but it's going to show up. And as long as you can remain committed to that idea with courage, you are allowing the solution to come to you. And this is what, it, this is what it's all about. But the important thing to, to mention here is that through that process, you are beginning to remember who you are as a creator. And that's what all of our challenges are here to teach us. Absolutely. And faith follows results. Small results, small miracles, it doesn't matter. And once you can hold on to that trust in yourself as a creator, as having the mind of God and being connected to the universe and the beginning of all life, uh, faith, you must hold on to that and continue to go forward. So I want to thank you, Catherine Jajetti author of Infinite Possibility for sharing your guided and thoughtful journey of truth in pursuit of your soul's quest to answer the questions, who are we, where do we come from, and how can we create the most positive and productive life experience uh, by creating what our mind, soul, spirit were born to discover. And mostly we discover through coincidences, synchronicity, miracles, and our alignment eventually to universal laws. To purchase this book, go to Amazon.com or the book is sold in all fine bookstores. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, I give you a quote from Neville Goddard. That which you do not claim is true of yourself cannot be realized by you. No truer words can express the fact that self-love, acceptance of all events without fear and judgment, are really the only way to manifest and create your dreams or goals. You may discover your reason for being alive is simply to remember that you are more than your physical body or reality, and that life is as eternal and infinite as our thoughts and our minds are powerful and our actions filled with energy which can never be destroyed, only transformed, transmuted, or transcended. So in other words, life for each of us becomes what we perceive it to be. If we perceive beauty, love, goodness, health, and success, we may enjoy that reality. If we have fearful thoughts and cannot minimize or refine our limitations 
and change them to new perceptions and dreams, we will live in the shadow of our wondrous possibilities for greater love and joy. We are what we think and must begin to think in a more appropriate way to create our best version of ourselves in life. In regard to these thoughts, Catherine wrote, When you look in the mirror, if you are dissatisfied with the image reflected back, don't accept it. Change it. If you look in the mirror and are unhappy with what you see reflected there and you walk away and do nothing, you are sure to be confronted with the same thing later. Whether you realize it or not, the face you see in the mirror is the mask of God. You may find this hard to believe since you can only see the mortal and not the immortal. But the being unseen by human eyes is the one doing the work. Have confidence in the fact that there is much more to you than you know, and as such the true scope of your capabilities is far in excess of what you presently believe it to be. Catherine and I would have you know, as she wrote, we all place far too much emphasis on the conditions of life as the cause of our emotional state. It is our emotional state that is responsible for the conditions of our lives. What we think and put attention on and consistency and pray or hope for has every chance to manifest in our lives. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and I invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to read about and listen to the many wondrous thoughts, views, and insights of authors who explore the mind, world, nature, humanity, and the universe in search of age-old truisms that will help us to know ourselves. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.